Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Crazy old man in his own attic, episode 60. Wilbon, let us start with the conclusion of the Jordan documentary last night. And it ends, or it's sort of right near the end, Jordan is looking at an interview with Jerry Reinsdorf, in which Jerry Reinsdorf says, we could have brought them all back, including Phil Jackson, for one more shot. That would have been for a seventh championship. So my question is, if that had happened, would they have won the seventh championship? Well, Tony, I think they would have had a hell of a shot. Remember, it was a a lockout year. There were only 50 regular season games. The season started in February, okay? I think it was February 5th. And, Tony, a 50-game sprint for a team that was probably tired and certainly older. I know that was one of Jerry Krause's concerns. They were so old, he wanted to retool. They had seven months off. And I'm not sure if that was the season that Jordan had the finger tendon thing or not. But what? Seven months off. The Pacers, who were the biggest threat to them, couldn't even get past the Knicks. The eighth-seeded, mediocre Knicks, the Pacers lost to them in the conference finals. Michael Jordan ain't losing to the Knicks, which he beat four times in the playoffs. The Knicks were the eighth seed. So, yeah, San Antonio was standing there then, Tony, and that's a young Tim Duncan and, and David Robinson and Avery Johnson. That's before Tony Parker and Ginobili and all those guys, but it's Popovich and Sean Elliott. I mean, that would have been something to watch. It would have been very different from Utah. But I think the Bulls, if you could have brought them all back, and even if Scottie Pippen had left, Jerry Krause was so covetous of Tracy McGrady at the time. Don't know if Tracy McGrady in his second year would have been up for that kind of challenge. But Tony Kukoc was a full-fledged star by then, Ron Harper. I, I, I think, Tony, they would have had a hell of a shot, particularly in a shortened season. So the difficulty for me is sort of believing how this would have happened at all. If Jerry Reinsdorf does this, he is repudiating Jerry Krause, who he allowed to say, I don't care if Phil Jackson goes 82-0, and he's out. So if he repudiates Jerry Krause, either Krause quits or he has to be fired. Then you have to tell me how they keep Scottie Pippen, and then you have to tell me how they manage Dennis Rodman, who at this point in this documentary is a full-blown narcissist and is just totally unreliable, it seems to me. Would I bet against Jordan? I wouldn't bet against Jordan. But, Mike, the thing you say about Indiana, I'm going to take issue with it in this regard. Indiana maybe had no heart for the Knicks. Indiana had heart for the Chicago Bulls. And it could have been the Bulls and Detroit, you know, but this time in reverse, this time Indiana wins, or maybe Utah gets them. I don't ever want to bet against Michael Jordan. He's 6-0 and in finals. It's an insane bet. But the circumstances, to me, it's just hard for me to believe that could have happened. Oh, Tony, it's easy for me to believe it could have happened because he beat these people all the time. He's not going to lose to the Knicks. I know you, the Pacers, I love that Pacers team with Reggie Miller and and, and, and Mark Jackson and Jalen Rose and the Davis boys and Rick Smith. That, that, that was the best team the Bulls played after they became champs. They lost to the eighth-seeded Knicks. I hear what you're saying about they might have gotten distracted. They might have been yeah. disappointed the Bulls weren't there. Yeah. But you know what? Jordan never lost to an eighth-seed. Jordan never got distracted. The Pacers got distracted. They got off track. 
So what I'm saying to you is they could have kept Scotty. I know Scotty couldn't, it could have only been paid 14 million for that shortened season, but that was a lot of money then. And then he goes on, he gets the big deal he would have gotten anyway and fire Jerry Krause. So what? You know what Jerry Ronsdorf likes doing, Tony? He likes being Jerry Reinsdorf in Chicago and having two championship teams, White Sox, which he won a World Series with, and the Bulls. So I I believe it could have happened. It could have put them back out there. Here's the most important point, and I'll get off this. You give them the chance. In basketball, the winner keeps playing, and that's Jordan's primary point. We, we got next because we won, and they didn't get that chance. And Jordan looked in the camera and said, I cannot accept it, Tony. Trust me. I knew he can't accept it now. Now in 2020, I've talked to him about it and he didn't, he wasn't satisfied. He wanted to try. You play until we lose. And so we can it just sounded to me. It sounded like revisionist history to me. It sounded like more than 20 years later, Jerry Reinsdorf had another look at this. And when you say then just fire Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause was the architect of, of two both had Jordan and Pippen, but two substantially different championship teams. I, if if that was the case, then then why didn't he just not let Jerry Krause say this is the end of Phil Jackson? I it just it it just strikes me that there is an illogic to this, and that we all have to be satisfied other than Jordan with him going six and zero in finals, which yeah. Magic, who we loved, and Bird, who we loved. Never were able to do, and later LeBron has been unable to do that as well. So. Yeah, Tom Brady, by the way, lost a few Super Bowls. Hasn't hurt yes, his did. status as the goat. He's lost three Super Bowls. Still, still. Well, the, the football is different. It's a single game. It's a single. Yeah. It's not best out of anything. It's a yeah. single game. It's different. I'll give you that. I'll give you that, Tony. Tony, sports this weekend. We didn't have just the documentary for the first time in a while. This weekend brought us live sports on a scale we'd not seen for months. Um, there was a charity golf match in Seminole in Florida, a real-life NASCAR race at Darlington, and a full weekend of action in the Bundesliga. Tony, who had the bigger return, golf, auto racing, or football? Well, I'm going to confess that I watched the golf. I enjoyed the golf very much. It was, for me, a typical... Sunday afternoon in the spring in the summer where I could turn golf on and then I could take a nap. I could wake up from my nap and the golf was still on. And that made me very happy. And it made me very happy to see these players carry their own bags and wear shorts. In fact, if I had to use one word to describe watching all the golf, it would have been for me charming. I'm I'm sort of a a blank slate on the others. I can talk about them theoretically, but I gave my attention to the golf. I gave no attention to the golf. I I gave attention to my own golf, but not this golf. And I'm looking forward to what's coming up this weekend with Tiger and Phil and Peyton Manning and Brady. I'm looking forward. I didn't watch any of the golf. I watched Bundesliga. I I did. I wanted to see what it was like to have no fans in the stands and have real sport. High level, not an exhibition, high level competition. That's that's world-class sport, the Bundesliga and German soccer. And so I watched some of that. It was better than I thought without fans and without real noise. And I watched, I did not watch racing. You know, I'm not going to watch racing at any time. I just don't. I've given up trying to do that. I watched MMA, an enormously big deal match Saturday night, I guess, Tony. I watched with our dear friend Charles Barkley, a few feet away, of course. I watched the Charles's and he he got me into this because I don't watch MMA 
But this heavyweight match was so brutal. It was so charismatic and violent, and it featured the father of the young woman who was murdered down at Auburn. And so Charles certainly had some interest there that that exceeded, you know, the the the, the fight itself. Not an MMA guy, as you know, Tone, but it is real sport and it is being contested. So I got, I watched that. I watched the Bundesliga, no racing, no golf. I'm just happy that I get, happy is the wrong word. Maybe I'm relieved to have something back. How about you? Well, I mean, I'm going to leave MMA to you and Chuck. I'm not dealing with that. Um, when you have auto racing, you don't necessarily need fans. The product of auto racing is the camera following the cars in and out of the pits and on the track. And the fans are irrelevant to that production. In golf, fans are nice, but I thought it was satisfying even without fans because it was an exhibition match and it had been so long since I had seen it. In terms of soccer and the highlights that I saw, when you have team sports like baseball and football in the United States and soccer in Europe, and you have big stadiums and you don't have fans, that's a scrimmage to me. Fans are really elemental to big team sport competition. And so I find myself siding with Joe Buck that if football does come back, baseball does come back, we're going to need we're going to need pumping in some sound and CGI fans for the entire experience as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. All right. Let's move if we can. Major League Baseball is out. Major League Baseball leaks everything once a week is out with a health and safety plan that apparently is about five inches thick. It has a lot of temperature checks. It has testing. It has no high fives. It has no spitting. It has no sunflower seeds. There are rules for where you can eat, where you can sit, how you can't take a shower, how you can't throw the ball around the infield. Wilbon, what does this tell you about the viability and the complexities in actually bringing baseball back? Uh, Tony, is one of those deals where I have great respect for the people who have so carefully thought this through. And they've said, here are the hazards and here's what we need to stay away from. And they have this 67 page report or whatever it is. And Tony, I've heard a lot of it. I don't believe it's really possible. Now, it doesn't have to be possible. You're not going to. If you if you can't throw the ball around the infield, how do you throw the ball to the relay man and to the cutoff man and get it to the catcher? And you have to change balls every pitch, essentially, which they sometimes do now, because as soon as it goes in the dirt, they change the Tony. You, what are you going to do? You can't have pickoff plays because you want the first baseman to stay away from the runner at first base. You're not going to have high five. The Bundesliga, they celebrated. I watched. They celebrated when goals were scored. They mobbed each other. They're, gonna, they're not going to mob people at home plate. They do in South Korea. Tone, it's, some of it is just screaming Mimi. It's like, oh, my God, we can't do this. Well, you can. You're going to. People are going to forget these things. They're going to high five. You're going to slide into second. What are you talking about? You, it's, it's so contradictory, but I, I understand they have to try. But I don't know what the hell yeah. they're talking about. So I never thought about not being able to throw the ball around the infield before the inning starts. To me, that's essentially one of the, one of the primary things that you do when you're out on a baseball field. I never thought about not having a bat boy. I never thought about sitting six feet away from somebody else in the dugout. It's, it's just antithetical to everything I thought about with baseball. And so what it makes me think is that this is going to be tough to do. It's not just going to be Blake Snell and Bryce Harper who might say, hey, I don't want to do this. When they tell you you can't eat at a restaurant outside of your hotel, when they tell you they don't want you to go to any bars, when they tell you you got to have all transportation 
with the team and he can't share a ride for months, with a teammate. For months. Yeah, I, see, you can do basketball and hockey playoffs for one month in a bubble. But baseball is three to four months in this kind of bubble. And if people are willing to accept, we won't get paid this year, there's reserve funding for us maybe, or we'll come back next year. I, and I understand, much like you, I understand these protocols. And I agree with these protocols. But I think it may discourage players from wanting to come yeah. back because they yeah. think that their lives are going to be so restricted that they're going to be unhappy all the time. I understand, but it's so impractical. By the way, baseball with no spitting, I, I, I can't even. Yeah. I don't know what that is. You can't, if you can't spit and you can't scratch, what are we no talking spitting, about No spitting, scratching, here? no baseball. What are we Sorry. about? No. <laughs> Tony, Bills Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly tells CBS Sports Radio that with Tom Brady gone, the Bills are the team to beat in the AFC East. And if they don't win the division, quote, then something's wrong, close quote. Tom, you and Jim Kelly. If he says something's wrong, what does that mean? Does that mean they fire the coach? Is he putting the coach on the clock right now? I don't think if you're Buffalo, I don't think you can make any assumptions about winning anything. The last time they won, their division was 1995. Jim Kelly was the was quarterback. The, quarterback. <laughs> the last time they won a playoff game was 1995. This is 25 years ago. I, you know, come on. Something's wrong. They don't score any points, and their quarterback has the worst completion percentage in the NFL. So, no, I'm sorry. I'm not making assumptions that Buffalo marches through the division. I'm not. No, I'm not making a presumption that they march through September. I, I, I don't want to hold Jim Kelly too responsible for this. This is the kind of, sorry, sports talk radio host for many years. This is sports talk radio chat, right? Sure, well, if we don't sure. win, you know what? If the Buffalo Bills don't win one of those four Super Bowls, oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. It, 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 you know, you can't presume anything. That's why it's sports. But I don't want to go too crazy on Jim Kelly. This is the kind of stuff you sit around and you say, and what Jim Kelly's really saying is, my God, for a change, they don't have Tom Brady. I like this. I like this for my team. Jim Kelly is a Buffalo Bill. He's a fan. I mean, he played for the life. team. He's I, look, the I Buffalo Bills. I get yeah. this, but are you telling me that somehow Bill Belichick's not going to be able to coach at all? That he's no good just because Brady leaves? Are you telling me Sam Darnold won't get good in a hurry or Tua won't get good in a hurry? That's a wide-open division, and the notion that if Buffalo doesn't win it, that something is wrong, I, I'm, that's not a bet I'm going to make right now. I'm not. I know, Tony. I think we're going to agree on that, and we're also going to throw it back to Kevin and Nicole in Bristol. Though we're apart these days, we're sharing more. So, at GEICO, we'd like to say thanks. Thanks for sharing your savage dance moves. Thanks for sharing your DIY haircut fails. Thanks for sharing your inner lip sync star. Now it's our turn to share with the Geico Give Back, a 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers. Because we're committed for the long haul, the 15% credit lasts your full policy term. Visit geico.com slash giveback for more info and eligibility. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day 
to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Glasses, legal pad, happies, here we go. Happy 74th birthday, Reggie Jackson. Mr. October, a nickname he got for producing in the playoffs in the World Series. Reggie was on five World Series champs in Oakland and New York. Twice he was the World Series MVP. And in the clinching game six of the 1977 World Series, where I was, Wilbon, and I know you were not, he hit three consecutive homers or three different Dodgers pitchers in the fourth, fifth, and eighth innings electrifying Yankee Stadium. Over the course of his career, Reggie led the American League at homers four times on his way to 563 in a place in Cooperstown. With Reggie, it was boom or bust at the plate. He is the all-time leader in strikeouts with 2,597. The Oakland A's retired Reggie's number nine. The Yankees retired his number 44. He famously fought with Billy Martin and famously pronounced himself the straw that stirs the drink. In spring training in 1978, I drove, drove across Florida with Reggie along Alligator Alley. We drove for hours in Reggie's Rolls Royce. He had me in the front seat, and I'm going to tell you something. We stopped for gas once. He would not even let the attendant wash the window. He got out of the car. He washed the window himself. He loved that car. And as you know, Wilbon, I'm a Reggie guy. I was about to make some comment about Reggie in baseball to you through that Rolls Royce thing in here. I was going to say to tell the story. I was a young baseball writer in the 80s, and you had started to be a big-time star, a diva. You didn't travel anymore. And I went up very nervously to Reggie Jackson, who I saw play as a kid. And I said, Reggie, I'm Mike Wilbar from the Washington Post. He looked at me. He was about to dismiss me. And then he goes, how's my man Kornheiser? How's Tony doing? Tell him I said hello. And I thought, wow, Reggie, I will say, Reggie was great to me. He was great to me then for years because of you. So I guess I kind of sort of owe you a thanks. I love Reggie Jackson was a star when baseball players were still the biggest sports stars in America other than the heavyweight champion. Reggie was a bigger star than anybody who's a millennial can understand today. Had a candy bar named after him, and I don't think Jordan ever had that. Happy anniversary, Randy Johnson. On this day, 16 years ago at the age of 40, the big unit became the oldest pitcher in Major League history to throw a perfect game. When he beat Atlanta 2-0, he struck out 13. There have only been 23 perfect games. This was one of 303 victories in Johnson's career, and the strikeouts were 13 of 4,875 on his resume, second only to Nolan Ryan. On his way to Cooperstown, Johnson won five Cy Youngs, one in 1995 for Seattle, four in a row for Arizona, 1999 through 2002. He was a 10-time All-Star. He shared the 2001 World Series MVP with Kurt Schilling. Greg Maddox overmatched hitters by working all areas of the plate. Randy Johnson overpowered hitters by throwing it right by them. And here's something interesting. Johnson was a pitcher on the USC baseball team where Mark McGuire was the first baseman and former NFL head coach Jack Del Rio was the catcher. Johnson pitched in the majors, Mike, until he was 45 years old. Tony, I miss that kind of pitching. I miss dominant pitching. I don't need to just see launch angle. I don't give a damn about launch angle. I mean, you know what? Let's see some of these guys have done launch angle off Randy Johnson when he was in his prime on a day where he was untouchable. Launch this. Melancholy trails to our friend Phyllis George, the co-host of the NFL Today on CBS, the greatest pregame show of all time died of a blood disorder at the age of 70. But what a life she led. 
She was Miss America in 1971, and nobody gets to be Miss America without brains and sharp elbows. She was a pioneer in sports broadcasting, as important historically as Barbara Walters, Oprah Winfrey, and Connie Chung. She was married to Robert Evans, a film producer of enormous import, and then to John Y. Brown, who became governor of Kentucky and owner of the Boston Celtics. Phyllis George was smart. She was beautiful. She was ambitious. She was talented. She was charming. And she was nice. Seriously, what else is there? The NFL today was groundbreaking. Prior to that show, pregame shows were just killing time. But Brent Musburger, Irv Cross, Jimmy the Greek Snyder, and Phyllis George created appointment viewing in sports. And Wilbon, I know you love Phyllis George. Yes, Tony. I, I, I do. I have. Um, amen to everything you said about Phyllis and her pioneering role in that broadcast and later Jane Kennedy. And they, they were enormous figures at the time. And, and Phyllis wrote a book and we shared a book agent, Lynn Whitaker. And I got to know Phyllis a little and, and, and have a, a lunch here and a lunch there with her. And I was in awe. I was in awe of being around her. And now I, I think, Tony, we can both say we're in awe of her daughter who has covered the White House and, and is in the news business Pamela. and the next generation yeah. and made her mother enormously proud and still does, I'm sure, every day. And with that, Tony, we are going to throw it back to Bristol to Kevin and Nicole. <laughs> 